Very special show for you today on Seahawks Forever. Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks and All Seahawks, um, consistent friend of the show, joins us today live in person. A very, very special episode for you to give us his first-person account of what he is seeing on the field at VMAC the first week of training camp. That's coming up next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome to this episode of Seahawks Forever, August 2nd. I guess it is officially uh, one week ago today that training camp started, so figured it was a good time to bring Corbin back on the show, and particularly because uh, we have the advantage of proximity today. He is <laughs> in town to uh, to watch the, the training camp practices in person. So thanks for doing this, Corbin. Always good to have you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it, Dan. Always love coming on. I think the last time we did anything in person was the Aussies show two years ago. I had a Facebook memory pop up on that one. That was a good time. Uh, we'll try to keep this one to under three hours, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a little <laughs> bit lengthy, but uh, I'll take the blame for that. I think I talked about Colby Parkinson for like an hour. <laughs> so We probably spent quite a, few, quite a bit of time back then talking about guys that aren't even on the team anymore, uh, yep. including a certain quarterback. But uh, uh Let's start with the big view and then kind of work our way in. What have your general impressions been uh, just on a daily basis viewing practice? I think probably my biggest takeaway, these first two padded practices, this is as physical as I have seen the Seahawks in my entire time covering the team. And talking with some coaches uh, before practice yesterday, they were blown away by the physicality that there was out there on Monday. And it carried over into yesterday's practice. There's been a lot of thumping, a lot of hitting. And I'm going to give two guys in particular the credit for that. Jaron Reed in, in the trenches. You can okay. just see the infectious uh, personality there with the entire front line. They're all feeding off of him. And, and every play, he's coming out there, and he's just bringing it. And, and the physicality's there. And Devin Witherspoon's the other one. Yesterday, I figured he'd be one. D. Eskridge yeah. is in the flats, catches a ball, and Devin Witherspoon comes up and gives him a not so nice love tap. I mean, it was he smacked him, and and Eskridge did not take that too kindly. Got up in his face, and the entire defense was fired up. And Witherspoon, and he was not affected by what Eskridge did because yeah. he went over and he was high fiving all of his teammates. Miles Adams, one of them, was just loving it, and then. Uh, the practice before, he smacked Colby Parkinson in the flats and knocked him over. And so you can just see what his presence, the energy he brings, it just makes everybody want to hit. And Bobby Wagner deserves some credit, too, even though he's not dishing the big thumps a lot of the time. Right. But as he said two days ago, it's because running backs aren't getting to him. The front line is doing such a good job that he's not getting a lot of opportunities to make plays. So I've been very encouraged by the physicality. It has okay. felt like real football as much as you can replicate it in training camp practices. We expected to see that from Witherspoon. That was a, that was the book on him coming out of Illinois, yep. physical player, and he would, he would kind of change the tone of the defense in that way. But uh, I think the most encouraging thing you just talked about, I would imagine to most fans, is talking about Jaron Reed, all the concerns and the hand-wringing in the offseason about that interior defensive line. Yep. And then the kind of the, the the surprise that Carol threw at us last week by announcing that Reed was going to move full time essentially to the nose tackle position. So um, there were some detractors because of the tape that he put on uh, last year in Green Bay. That mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't Jaron Reed's best performance. It was not. You're encouraged by what you're saying. Yeah, he looks like he's been rejuvenated coming back to Seattle. And 
I think that last year that you're talking about an extremely competitive guy and Green Bay for a lot of last season was not competitive. And I think yeah. he was having a really hard time dealing with that because even in Kansas City the year before, I mean, the Chiefs obviously are competitive every year yeah. going for Super Bowls. And I watched the Chiefs film and like the sacks aren't there, but the pressures are there. He still had more than 30 pressures for Green Bay last season. Okay. So it's not like he was, you know, completely useless for Green Bay. But I just didn't see the same tenacity run defense wise that we're used to seeing from him. That has not been the case so far in training camp. Draymond Jones has been a monster getting in the backfield constantly. Uh, Miles Adams is having a really good training camp. So they're going with those smaller defensive tackles. Mm -hmm. But based on the discussions that I've had with a few players, Miles Adams in particular, he was saying, we're going we're gonna to be power stepping. We're not mere stepping very much. Yeah. They are going to be aggressive. They're going to be penetrating. And that was the issue last year is you had um, most of the guys on their team at the defensive tackle position. That's where th their strengths were, not the read and react stuff. And they were trying to do that early in the season and it was blowing up in their face. So it looks like they are trying to mesh with the personnel that they have. They're going to go with more athletic nose tackles. Miles Adams has gotten some snaps playing the nose tackle position. They're mm -hmm. listing him as that. And uh, he played well in the couple games he did that last year, even though he's not a big guy for the position. So it just seems like maybe schematically they're making the adjustments they need to to get by without having a 330, 340-pound guy in the middle, at least until Brian Monet hopefully can get back at some point this year. And that's been the biggest concern. That would, it's probably the one thing that you could sit here and, and say today to the fan base to, to, to give them some solace, that, to make them feel a little more comfortable about where we're at up front there. Yep. And we've, we've spent so much time talking about that. I want to talk about the linebackers for a minute because I, I feel like, not that it's been taken for granted, but uh, with Bobby coming back, I think people know what we have. Um, there were concerns there about depth. I didn't hear, I mentioned this on the show a couple weeks ago. Devin, uh, Devin Bush has had one of the quietest off-seasons uh, that I can ever imagine for a, or that I can remember for an outside free agent coming in. A guy with some pedigree, a guy with some name. Weren't hearing anything bad about him, that he was struggling. Weren't hearing uh, that he was standing out either until he made some plays in 7-on-7 seven seven the other day where he intercepted a ball and did some things. What are you seeing out of him at the other inside spot. So the first thing I'm going to say, and I knew he was not a big guy, but first practice with the helmets and pads on and sitting there like, that guy looks like a safety. That's the first thing that jumped out to me. But you can see the movement skills, the ability to get downhill. Bobby has embraced him. Uh, those two are constantly chatting it up on the field. Um, and Wagner seems to be really high on him. And he's been able to get downhill against the run. He didn't practice yesterday, so we don't know what right. the situation is on that front. But that that's going to lead me into another player that I'm sure we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But I was going to ask you about him next. As far as, <laughs> far as Bush goes, uh, I've been impressed by what I've seen. And you go back to his rookie year before he had the knee injury. He was third in rookie of the year voting that year. Yeah. The, the guy yeah. has He's a lot of talent. Yeah. But the last two years, two years ago, it looked like he was just, I'm not back from this knee injury all the way. Last year, it looked like he was a little gun shy. It looked to me like he just wasn't playing with the confidence that he did. Mm -hmm. So can they get him back playing to that level? I've been encouraged by what I've seen. At the same time, it's only been one padded practice with him. Right. So until we get real football going and, and more of an extensive look, that's a little tougher assessment to make. Whereas Bobby Wagner, Bobby Wagner, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I, I don't think I've ever said this about a 33-year-old. He looks faster than what he did two years yeah. ago. 
And yeah. you opened my eyes to that. You made some comments recently that he looks that he was covering guys. And I know I, I know I'm not alone in that. I mean, every reporter that I've talked to there at the at the VMAC has just been blown away by what he is. And the fact is, it takes a lot for Bobby Wagner to astound me because mm-hmm. it's Bobby Wagner. Right, right. But well, he has to. done some stuff early in training camp that I've been like, I was not expecting that from a 33 year old Bobby Wagner. So with Bush out yesterday, Vi Jones is a guy that gets to is the next man up, and um, he's a guy that undrafted free agent last year. Um, put on some weight. Pete says he's full time inside linebacker now. Um, he got an opportunity in that padded practice yesterday. How did he look? I thought he looked pretty good, and it's crazy because one of the plays that jumped out to me from a positive for him, they gave up a forty yard touchdown. But okay. let, now, so let me explain my <laughs> rationale. It, here's the thing. If you have one guy that doesn't do his job right, it doesn't matter if the other 10 did their job right, unless unless one of those 10 gets in the backfield and makes a play. But Vi Jones shot up into the B-gap, and he held up against Phil Haynes. I mean, he was right there. He stood him up a little bit. That was where the run was supposed to go. But Jaron Reed and Draymond Jones ended up in the same gap. There was a there was a mix up there, and you could see him talking after the play. So that created a huge crease for DJ Dallas to then cut back, and then he's off to the races. But that was actually a play that jumped out to me from the sideline. I'm like, Vi Jones last year would not have been able to take on that block at 225. He's probably in the 230 to 235 range right okay. now. And he just, I've made this, it's not a joke. I mean, I called him last year. He was the skeleton of KJ Wright because he's wearing the same jersey number, but he was so skinny. Yeah. And this year he's still lean. The guy's 6'3". He's always going to be a lean linebacker, but you can just tell that he has put the work in in the weight room. He had a remarkable interception. I think it was the fourth training camp practice. He came from the backside inside linebacker spot all the way over to the sideline and toe tapped, double toe tapped after a deflection one off of Griffin Abear's hands. Wow. It, it was a, and the, you, you know, you see guys celebrate on the field in training camp, but you don't often see like the entire defense mob a guy. That was one of those instances like there were dudes running from the sideline. They were all mobbing him because it was a fantastic interception. He had a play yesterday that Tyler Lockett made the catch on him, but it, it almost looked like a corner was going against Tyler Lockett in coverage. Like He was right in step with him till the last second, and then Lockett, you know how he does it. He finds ways to get that late separation. But th- there's been a lot impressing me about Vi Jones. I need to see what he looks like in game action, though, playing the run. That is still my biggest concern. Is he going to be able to hold up physically, get off blocks? But the Seahawks definitely have been encouraged by what they've seen. The fact that he jumped John Radigan yesterday and he was the one playing yeah, with Bobby yeah. Wagner and the ones, that spoke volumes to me. Yeah, because the Seahawks have been open about how much they like Radigan uh, the yep. last couple of years. And, and it felt like going into camp that he might be the guy that had the first shot at that backup backup role. But it sounds like Jones is maybe uh, taking that and lead. Clint Hurt was raving about him yesterday, too. Yeah. So uh, Let's talk about the secondary. And then I want to talk about some offense because I feel like we have focused, so, for good reason, on the defense whenever we talk yep. uh, throughout this offseason, for the most part. Um, but we can't talk about this team right now without talking about the secondary. And even what's amazing to me is is reading the coverage and, and gleaning whatever I can from the live streams. It's kind of tough sometimes. Um, but highlights that people post, it's, it's shocking to me how much is being said about how good this secondary looks, how deep it looks, how varied it looks, how dynamic it looks. And we haven't even seen Reek Woolen on the field yet. That even without him, what Trey Brown has done, the statement he seems to have made in this training camp, and then since Witherspoon signed his deal and joined the fray, 
Um, just talk about what you've seen from that group. I got to start with Mike Jackson, you, you know, and I've been talking about this for months because he was so good in OTAs and mandatory minicamp too. But like he has just, he has exceeded all expectations. And I thought he was a above average starter for the Seahawks last year. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he had a really good season in his first year as a starter for the Seahawks, but he just, he looks different compared to most of the guys they have back there. I mean, mm-hmm. without Rick Woolen out there, but I mean, you're talking about a guy that's six two over 200 pounds. I mean, he's built. He's a big corner, long arms, physical. Uh, him and DK Metcalf, that has been get your popcorn ready entertainment in, in camp. And Metcalf got him a little bit on Monday, yeah. burned him on a one-on-one with a triple move. But then there's been several pass breakups. And yesterday, Jackson had another one against Metcalf. Like He has risen to the occasion and said, I, you know what? You drafted a corner, but I'm going to force you to find a way to get me onto the field. And I think that's why Devin Witherspoon's getting all the work that he's getting in the slot right mm-hmm. now. Because Witherspoon was dominant everywhere last year. I mean, he's just one of those rare corners. That's why you pick him in the top five. That you can put him at nickel. And that is a position that is incredibly important in today's NFL. I've seen fans say, why are we putting a number five pick in the yeah, slot? A, and it's like There's a perception of value that, that, that some fans have there, yeah. Yeah, but if you watch NFL games today, if you have a weak link at the slot, you— I mean, it makes it so easy for offenses now. Yeah. So I think Devin Witherspoon, it lets him get downhill. He can be physical. You can blitz him. He had a sack yesterday in practice. There's so much fun, so many fun things you can do with him at that spot. But I think it's been necessitated by the fact that Mike Jackson's been one of the best players on either side of the football yeah. in training camp. And it's carried over from the offseason. And it's been really fun to watch. He just has the DNA that Pete Carroll loves. A guy that was a fifth-round pick got cut a couple times. He's just got that boulder on his shoulder, and he's been playing really well. Trey Brown has had a great camp, too. So, you know, you're going to have an interesting situation when Reek Woolen gets back because even if you're going to play Witherspoon in the slot, what do you do at the other position? Is it Mike Jackson? Is it Trey Brown? They both have made a pretty strong claim to being able to start. And I was telling a few people this the other day. I was looking at depth charts. I had 18 teams in the NFL that I think Mike Jackson would start for. Wow. I had 11 that I think Trey Brown would start for. And there were okay. a few that I had question marks next to, like maybe they yeah. could. That tells you the kind of depth they got here. And I haven't even mentioned Kobe Bryant, who's now playing some safety because they're yep. just trying to figure out how can we get him on the field. Yeah. And it's a good problem to have, but they're going to be, there's going to be a few players there, barring injuries. There's going to be a few players that are really darn good that uh, aren't going to be playing on defense because there's just nowhere to put them. Do you think there's a potential for them to trade from that group, uh, but maybe before week one, or or have they? It seems like we've we've been pounding the table for this team to build up depth in the secondary for so many years, and now they have it. Do you think that they're just they're going to hang on to that? It depends what's thrown their way. We've seen John Schneider. I'm not going to bat an eye if he makes a deal at yeah. the end of this month, especially if there's a way they can get their hands on another defensive tackle to maybe add to the group. Even a or, smaller deal. I mean, Kobe Bryant, if he has some value around the league, because he seems to be the odd and, man. And I wouldn't rule that out. You know, yeah. and, and maybe right now they're trying to get his value increased a little bit by showing he can play some safety, yeah. too. I mean, I, I don't know that I would go down that road yet that that's where they're going. I think the Seahawks really like Kobe Bryant, but... They are in a situation where there is so much depth. And I haven't even talked safety. The safety group is equally impressive in depth without Jamal Adams out there. When they get Jamal Adams out there in the next few weeks, that group is going to be just the same way as the cornerback group is. You just got an abundance of young guys that have been getting after it and impressing. And again, it's a good problem to have, but there's going to be some really good players 
that are going to be on the outside looking in either as cuts or or they're going to be on the sidelines because there's just you can't play 19 defensive backs on the field right. at once. Although they can try. Uh, we've we've heard about how much nickel and dime they're going to play. What speaking of Jamal Adams being around the team this week. What is your your gut feeling? What's the vibe that you get on when he'll be available? I'm still banking that he is going to be back at some point in camp on the field. Um, Pete Carroll has made it sound like they're not going to be rushing any of these guys back, and they don't have to. Yeah. But everything I've been told the last couple months is that he's moving well and that he's ahead of schedule. And with him being now a year removed, almost a year removed from surgery, um, you know, maybe they won't rush him back to get back at all in camp, but I would think they're going to want to get him on the field, at least in a limited capacity. I would think Reek Woolen's the next one that's going to be activated. And then Adams probably before Jordan Brooks. Brooks is the one that I'm still a little bit skeptical on about week one. And with the depth there's now showing it inside linebacker, I don't know that they need to rush him back. Either. Yeah. And you can make the same argument as safety. It would be almost a historically uh, landmark It'd be an Adrian if Peterson. he were to come back that if Brooks would come back that quick. It'd be an Adrian yeah. Peterson yeah. type thing on defense. Yeah, um, and 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 to your point, they might not need to do it if they if they have an opportunity to be cautious. It seems like that's the way they'll lead with Brooks um, because I, Pete talked about it in the offseason. They see him as a long term piece. You know, they they don't want to do anything this year to jeopardize. Potentially him being the guy next year and beyond. But that's why I've mentioned Vi Jones a lot because Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner, and Devin Bush are all free agents right, next March. Right. Yeah. Wagner's 33, even though he's still an incredible player, as I've been attesting yeah. to. I mean, he's 33. And he's admitted it's a year-to-year process. Yeah. And Jordan Brooks with the knee injury. Who knows what he's going to look like coming back. Devin Bush had that issue in Pittsburgh. Yeah. was not the same player. So. Right. I've been encouraged by what I've seen. And yet, long-term, you know, a guy like Vi Jones, if you can show major growth this year— with the athletic profile he has, this is as good as any linebacker you're going to find in Seattle's roster. If you can turn a guy like that into a really solid defensive player in, the, in, in today's NFL with his coverage skills and movement skills, that's a guy that right now could be stamping a, a starting spot as a former undrafted player. <laughs> I'm not saying he starts this year. That, that's not going to happen. Right. But you're looking 2024 and beyond. Yeah. That's a guy that could definitely play his way into that because he is one of those kids that, as an undrafted player, was raw coming in. But there's a very high ceiling, and there's going to be an opportunity there with all the free agents they've got. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's talk about some offense now. Because please, please. This, this could be, uh, I think most people tend to agree, this could be a, a fun year offensively for this team. You just look at every single position now. And there's not just dynamic talent, there's depth, um, there's some variety. But let's start at the running back position because I think that's where some some head scratching and some concern is. It doesn't feel like um, the groin injury is is a huge concern with Kenneth there's Walker. No, there's they're no just, reason to be concerned they're there. They're doing their due diligence. They're just taking their time. They don't want to push that. But the mystery surrounding what's going on with Zach Charbonnet's shoulder yep. injury, non-contact, came out of nowhere, mysterious thing. You know, my first thought is a guy who's had neck and back problems in the past is he slept on it wrong, go see a chiropractor, he'll be fine. But it just, 
Pete's tone seemed more ominous than normal. Like they don't have any answers. What what are you getting from that situation? Exactly what you just said. I at this point with all the discussions I've had, I don't think anybody knows what's really going on there because it's just it's just a weird injury. You yeah. normally shoulders are going to be linked to getting smacked, and he didn't participate in any of the padded practices yeah. or something in the gym. The, We've so, heard he's the, a workout so warrior. Me, me being me being somebody that works out a lot myself. First thing I thought is like, could this be a weightlifting related injury right. or something like yeah. that? Or maybe he injured it blocking a sled or something. But that's the only thing I could think of. And the people I've talked to are like, oh, we don't know. He just he just randomly just felt a tweak. And, you know, that can be kind of scary because what it could be is like, you know, a past injury that hasn't cropped up and then suddenly bang it's there and you realize there's something more significant that you didn't know you had hopefully that's not the case but that is the one of the two that i you know i'm not going to sit here and say that the panic level should be a four or five but i would put it as squarely as a three just because there's as you said the ominous update from pete and just everything i'm hearing ken walker the third is fine i watched him he was running around yesterday Mm -hmm. he's gonna be fine i mean groins you just don't want to mess with it early in camp he'll be fine and Kenny McIntosh has been impressive. DJ Dallas yeah. is DJ Dallas. He just goes out and he, he gets the job done. He's nothing flashy, but he's he's a good football player. Um, they've got a couple of young guys they brought in uh, that look decent so far. So I don't think there's any reason to really be too concerned right now other than the Charbonnet situation. It right. was encouraging seeing that he was actually at practice yesterday. He was missing for a couple of days. Right. So who knows what's going to happen on that front, if they've learned anything here in the last 24 hours. But that is the one situation that I've got a little bit of a red flag on, just wondering, eh, what's going on here? And I can hear the voices. You know, I can hear the, uh, the, the, the critics that don't like spending draft capital on running backs, right? Mm-hmm. And we've heard that the last couple of years because Seahawks have spent two second-round picks and then another seventh this year on Kenny McIntosh. But in my mind, this is why you continue to add at that position and you continue to stack in that running back room because it's such a physically volatile position. And now the 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 luxury of having a guy like Kenny McIntosh that you take in the second the seventh round, which a lot of people even then thought was a little bit of a wasted draft because you already had him. But he a couple of practice runs have gone viral. And he kind of looks like the star of the show so far on offense outside of number 11. Well, there's been a few other guys, too. But out of the backfield, he has clearly been the star. And you're seeing what you saw in film at Georgia. I had a third round. He certainly doesn't look like a guy that clocks a 4-6, though, from what you see in those practice tapes. I I couldn't believe that that's how he tested because that's not what he looks like on the field, especially when he catches the football. Like, his ability to get in and out of his breaks as a receiver, he's so explosive. Like, he just you didn't see that anything testing wise like he put up and yeah. there's just sometimes there's guys like that they just don't test well but then you put them in pads and they look like a different athlete and mm-hmm. kenny mcintosh is one of those guys as i was saying i i had charbonnet as my number three running back i had mcintosh graded less than a point lower than him he was my number five oh, running back yeah. when okay. seattle drafted him and i was in the i was at the vmac and i was in the draft room i i looked to rob rang and i said that has to be a typo. He was picked earlier, right? I thought he, I thought he was gone, and then we looked back. And was like, no, he has not been drafted. The Seahawks got him in the seventh round. Yeah. That, that was a day two value, in my opinion, at the running back position. 
and you get him in the seventh round. So I'm not surprised that he's impressing. I loved his film at Georgia, especially the receiving and the pass pro. For being a smaller guy, his technique. I posted a clip of him hitting the yep, sled the other, uh, hitting the bag the other day, and that is as pristine of technique and pop as you're going to see. If I was teaching young guys, if I was still coaching running backs, that is the clip I would show them before we go out of the practice field. This is what I want. Yeah. So there's a lot to like about that kid, and I have absolutely no issue taking another running back there, especially with the value that you're getting yeah. with him being a day two caliber talent, at least in my eyes. At that position, I mean, Seahawks fans, do you remember what it's been like the last five or six years? Like, guys get banged up there, especially in today's era. And, and I talked about this on our Locked on Seahawks podcast the other day. And there were some people that batted an eye when I said this. But listen, I truly 100% believe this. I don't think there is a position in professional football that has been negatively impacted as much by the changes in training camp and off-season practice stuff. Mm-hmm. And This is coming from a guy that used to carry the rock a lot. And I tell you, there's a different type of conditioning as a running back. And if you're not getting blasted in training camp and then you just go in with a dry run, which that's what these guys do. They go into week one. Stud running backs don't play in the preseason. They don't get hit. You go into week one, like, I think that that is actually, it's going to sound weird saying this, but I think that is part of the reason these guys are, running out of gas a little bit quicker. And some people are saying, so you're saying they need more hits on? How is that going to help? And it is a conditioning aspect at that position. And you could say this about offensive and defensive line too, but running backs need to be hit. (laughs) And I know that's not going to change. I'm not saying they need brought to the ground, but like you need more thumping, which is why I've loved what I've seen the last two days at Seahawks camp. Those running backs that are healthy have been getting thumped. And so they're going to be prepared. With that in mind, are we going to see a lot of Kenny McIntosh in the mock game on Friday? Or do you think they're going to be careful with him until those other guys get healthy? I think the latter. I I would be surprised if he gets a lot of reps out there. Uh, Not because they don't want to see him. I just think that that's the way that it's going to be. They, They want to make sure that they keep him healthy. So. Let's talk about some other things on the offense. Let's talk about the offensive line. Um, so much excitement around the skill positions, and we'll get to that in a minute. But it seems like uh, the, the battle that we expected going into training camp to be the key battle has played out that way. Olu Oluwatimi versus Evan Brown at center. They've been alternating days with the, yep. with the number mm-hmm. one unit. In your opinion, who has the lead right now? Oh boy, that that's a loaded question because I haven't seen one guy really jump out yet. But I, I've liked what I've seen from both of them, but there hasn't been a player so far that's like, you know what, I want this job. I'm going to seize this hmm. job. That hasn't happened yet. I haven't seen either one of them consistently in these first two padded practices be able to create push off the line of scrimmage. Okay. But what has surprised me They've both been able to climb to the second level, been more athletic than I anticipated, getting blocks to spring guys. Oluwatimi had a nice block that helped DJ Dallas get that 40-yard touchdown yesterday where he was several yards downfield and got to, uh, I believe he actually got into Bobby Wagner on that play. So there have been some encouraging signs, but I haven't seen somebody that's just jumped out. They've both been hit and miss in the one-on-one periods and pass pro the last two days, and you're going against some good players, Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed, but... Uh, I don't feel like right now that a player has really risen up and said, you know what, this is my job. If I had to make a prediction, though, I'm still going with what I did, what I predicted before camp. I think Oluwatimi wins this job. Hmm. I think that the rookie has a lot of backing from the coaching staff. I think that the quarterback, Geno Smith, really likes him. I think the Hmm. other linemen from the conversation, not that they don't like Evan Brown, but just – 
they're always wanting to talk about Oluwatimi first, is what I've noticed. So I just have a feeling that that's where this is heading. But it is a very back-and-forth affair, and I would not be surprised if Evan Brown ends up winning it. And then right next to him, there was a lot of uh, speculation and anticipation that Anthony Bradford, the the fifth, fourth-round rookie fourth out of LSU— yeah would push Phil Haynes to the right guard spot. That doesn't seem to be happening at all. It seems like Phil Haynes has established himself as that guy. I don't think that this is ever really going to be a competition. I don't think it was supposed to be. That's my sense here this first six practices, and now Bradford's banged up. So mm-hmm. even when Damian Lewis was out sick on Monday, Jake Curhan played at the guard yeah. spot. So that tells you right there what the Seahawks think about that situation. It is Phil Haynes' job. Um, and I thought that that was going to be a position going into camp if it was a competition that that Phil Haynes was going to have a much more secure hold on it going into camp, whereas Evan Brown and Oluwatimi, I expected what we've seen, that it was going to be a share, timeshare type thing. Let's see who the best player is, and then we'll name a winner in the camp. But right guard, I mean, it's pretty clear the Seahawks have stated it from day one. Like This is Phil Haynes' job. This isn't even a competition. So, And I think Phil Haynes has been fantastic in training camp, by the mm-hmm. way. He has done some really great things in the past pro uh, one-on-one drills the last two days. He's been him and Charles Cross have been the two most impressive, in my opinion. And I feel like Haynes has been getting after it in the run game as well. And he's got some tough assignments with some of the guys the Seahawks have that have been aligned. So if you can keep him healthy, that was the issue the first couple of years. But he really looks like he's going to take a big step forward. And coming off a year where they went 3-0 and with him as a starter, yeah. uh, it feels like this is his time. You are making these segues really easy. You mentioned Charles Cross. And it's remarkable to me in this camp how how quiet the tackles have been, how they've almost been after just one year of being so good as rookies, Abe Lucas and Charles Cross, that we've almost taken them for granted. Have you seen a step forward of, out of either or both of those young guys? I think both of them have, but it's been more evident with Charles Cross. Okay. And I'll point out one particular thing yesterday, and I posted a few clips of this on my social media, but Cross was going against Daryl Taylor, and Daryl Taylor one-on-one in pass rushing drills. That's got to be a difficult assignment for a tackle to block with his speed and his ability to spin inside outside he's underrated in terms of bull rushing he can be a major problem in those drills and Charles Cross the four reps he had against him there was only one that I said I'm not sure who won that one it was kind of a draw because Taylor was able to spin back inside but I don't think he would have got to the quarterback with the route he went the other three Cross stonewalled him. Two of them, he tried to bull rush him, and he set a very thick anchor, (laughs) saying, nope, you're not going anywhere. Cementing the ground, I've got you. And then there was another one that he tried to spin, and he ended up blocking him into the ground. Hmm. So I feel like you are seeing some of the things that we were looking for in year two. The biggest issue I had with Charles Cross last year was getting bull rushed. Now, there's going to be some 270, 280-pound edge rushers that are going to be more powerful than what Daryl Taylor is. But Taylor's a good, Taylor is a good bull rusher. He's an underrated bull rusher. Um, just ask Braden Smith of the Colts a couple years ago. Yeah. You may remember that play. Yeah. He'll sneak up on you, turn speed to power. But I think Cross has really looked impressive this first week. Uh, the run blocking, there's been some nice plays from him, too. And Lucas has been rock solid. I think with his standing being a guy that had more snaps under his belt coming out of college, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to take more steady growth. Whereas Charles Cross, it feels like he's got more of that capability to make a big leap Hmm. in year two. And and so far, I'm seeing signs that might be happening here, which is big news for the Seahawks offensive line. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can't talk about the Seahawks offense right now without talking about their wide receiver group. Uh, it's starting to get a lot of notice around the league. A lot of, uh, you know, you see a lot of social media posts. Is this one of the top three groups in the in the league with JSN being added to Lockett Metcalf? I can't remember uh, a rookie making the kind of impact through all through, basically from the day he hit the field and started running full speed. OTAs, mandatory mini camp, training camp, every single day. We're hearing superlatives about Jackson Smith and Jigba. We're seeing highlights. We're seeing it on tape. Is this, is any of this surprise you? I mean, this is a kid that didn't play last year, essentially, at Ohio State because of injuries. And he, and he looks, and, and people are describing him as if he is, he's a grizzled veteran. That's the way that his game is. He is a savvy, refined route runner, makes a lot of contested catches, it ran a four five two forty, so it's not like he's slow. That that's the thing is that people are like four five two. That's not a bad time, right, right. and he had incredible change of direction testing numbers, and you see that on the field. This is not one yeah. of those guys he's, where no, he's spinning guys around. Yeah, yeah, he his ability at him going against Witherspoon. That's been one of the treats here the last couple of days because it's been very back and forth. Witherspoon's won some of those, and Smith and Jigba's won. Like he won late in practice yesterday with a really crisp. Outbreaking route ended up getting the advantage at the end and caught the ball along the yeah. sideline. But it's really fun to watch those two go at each other. But you just have to remember when he was healthy two years ago, over 300 yards in the Rose Bowl in that single game. Mm-hmm. Like this is a guy that it's not like he wasn't productive at Ohio State. That that sophomore season was impressive. Yeah. So you're seeing that ability, and I think the other thing that's being magnified here is just how different his strengths are compared to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, which that's the most exciting thing to me. You've just got a different kind of weapon, the one that you've sorely missed that can devour opponents in the middle of the field. That's what this kid can do. And then they'll catch you off guard occasionally and win downfield. He's not a one-trick pony. This is a guy that can win vertically. That's not the biggest strength in his game. But, yeah, the hype that's out there, it's legitimate. I mean, he's making highlight reel grabs, um, his footwork – on the sidelines, his ability to run routes, getting out of his stems, how quick he is after the catch ability, complete package. And now that he's healthy, you're getting a chance to see that. And um, and then you got D. Eskridge having the camp of his life because he's actually healthy. He's yeah, able to show what he can field. do. So if you've got D. Eskridge performing to his capabilities, I mean, I this is a Rashad Penny type situation where if you can just get him on the field and get yeah. him in a rhythm, D. Eskridge has the second round, late first round talent that the Seahawks picked him as. He just hasn't been healthy enough to get in the rhythm. So if you get him going, those top four, find me a team in the NFL that has a better top four. And I just just don't think there is one. It's so encouraging to continue to hear that about Eskridge because that's been the knock on him from day one. He just has to be on the field. And and to hear guys like you guys that are around the team and cover him uh, say the same thing. And I've been, I mean, I've been tough on the kid. It's not that he's just popping and having a nice practice and then he disappears for a week. He's showing up every day. Stacking days. Shane Waldron said that yesterday. You know, he just, he is stacking positive days. I mean, even yesterday, 
there were a couple difficult plays where Devin Witherspoon got his hands in the football and he wasn't able to make catches. But like every day he is getting targets in the red zone, which we weren't seeing that the last couple of years. And you can just see the athlete. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba is a really good athlete, but D. Eskridge is on another level. Like we're talking a guy with 4'3 speed that maybe he isn't quite as quick, but it's very close. So his athletic profile is more off the charts than what Jack Smith and Jigba's is. So if you've got that guy who can create after the catch, and he's a true vertical threat from the yeah. slot. So you could do mixing and matching there. You've got Kate Johnson, who's had a really good camp too. Yeah. Uh, Dariq Young. Um, those are the six receivers I think are making this football team right now. Okay. I was gonna I was gonna go there next because I wasn't there was a lot of love for Jake Bobo among the fan base. He he kind of became a favorite during OTAs. Uh, Cody Thompson was the first guy to sign uh, his deal in the offseason. They really stepped up and made sure they locked him up first. Uh, looked great in camp last year and then got hurt and missed the entire year. And then Dariq Young's had a quiet camp, but he, he made a couple of plays the other yeah, day. Yeah, touchdown yesterday. Yeah. He, in fact, he's the only guy that has scored in their red zone periods the last two days because okay. the defense has dominated those segments. But Young spun out of a tackle and scored yesterday. So I want to touch on that. Uh, it seems like reading descriptions of practice every day that it's really back and forth, That, that especially the seven-on-seven seven, uh Two days ago, I believe, where it was uh, Gino threw three picks in the red zone drills. It was that day where the defense was winning some reps. The offense was winning some reps. It was back and forth. It was really competitive. Last year, we know we know the product we saw on the field in the regular season. We all saw it with our own eyes. Yep. How does what was their performance like in camp in these same situations from what you saw versus this year? Are you seeing? the things that we need to see on defense that make you think that what we're seeing on the practice field right now is going to translate and this defense can take a step. The reason that I do is the physicality because I I felt like last year, and this has been a discussion that I've had with people. It feels like every year I've been on the Seahawks beat that there's been less and less and less actual hitting at camp. And I think you've seen that with the poor tackling starting the regular season so that has been a, a significant change, seeing how they're hitting each other, these first two padded practices. And that change of mindset, I, I think that they realized like, hey, yeah, we got to protect our players, but we also got to make sure they're ready to play yeah. when the regular season gets going. So if they were still playing kind of half thud the way they were last year, then I would say, look, uh, this is not replicating football enough for me to, you know, I'm still skeptical. But seeing these last two days, the way that the linemen are getting after each other, the way guys are coming up and hitting, and again, you can thank 21 for his presence back there and some of the other guys that they have, but uh, that's certainly something to watch for. Uh, one more thing that I want to ask you about before we go. Uh, we got to talk about the quarterback, right? We, we usually start with the quarterback. We're going to finish on the quarterback today. Do you see a difference in the Geno Smith uh, this year? Versus last year, it's his job. He's gotten paid. He wants to take another step forward. He wants to prove to the league that the tears just came out. The tears story on ESPN just came out, and he was he was third tier and he was ranked at, at below some guys. I think he was seventeenth. He was ranked below some guys that a lot of us would agree he's a better quarterback. Is he still playing with that chip on his shoulder? And do you expect to see a better version of him this year, or is he what he is? No, I think he's been better, and I think a lot of fans are going to say, well, there's been interceptions. Got to give the defense credit for that, and it's practice. There's going to be picks. There's been a few of them he's thrown where he and the receivers have been on the same page, but that happens in training camp because you're trying to get some new plays in. 
you're trying to get back into rhythm, like turnovers going to happen. But we've also seen a bunch of bombs to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. We've seen him hit Jackson Smith and Jigba several times. He just seems like he is truly in command of this offense now. And he's playing with much greater confidence even than the last season. Yeah. So I know fans are going to say, well, there's turnovers. Like, go to a training camp practice. Patrick Mahomes is going to throw interceptions at practice. It happens. This is the time to get those out of the way. Yeah, Yeah, and you can see him dumping the ball down to his tight ends and stuff. Again, it just seems like he's in complete command. So I don't know if that means the number's necessarily going to be better than last year, but with the cast he's got around him and second year in a row starting in the same offense, something he had never done in his NFL career, I'm thinking that he's got another big season coming for the Seattle Seahawks. Final question for you. After watching uh, a full week of training camp with your own eyes, has anything changed for better or for worse? And I think I know which way you're leaning uh, on on the prospects this team has for this season, based on what you've seen on the field. No, because I thought this was a double-digit win team going into training camp. And it, I guess you could say maybe tack on another win if that front line plays the way they have the last couple of days. But mm. with the offense that they have, with the secondary, the linebackers they brought in, it'd be a disappointment if this team doesn't win at least 10 games this year. And I've said that before camp, and I think that – the last six practices have confirmed that that's what we've got here with this football team. They should be one, one of the better teams in the NFC, in my opinion. Well, we're going to find out. And uh, first time to see them on the field as fans will be this Friday. They call it a mock game now. It's basically the scrimmage that they would have every year. They've, they've evolved that term. And then we get into the preseason games. Uh, Corbin Smith, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks, Dan. It's always good it. to talk to you and a uh, chance to do it in person uh, makes it a little bit more fun. So, Uh, Make sure to subscribe to the show on the YouTube channel and on whichever audio platform you prefer. Uh, Like this video. It's the best way to support the channel. You can follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Follow him at Corbin Smith NFL. There you go. Until next time, forever and always, go Hawks.